0: Thank you most of all for shedding abroad in our hearts the love of the Father. And this morning I pray, Holy Spirit, the more the love of the Father that's been placed in our hearts would be exposed, would be tasted, would be manifested in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us just to walk in the commission of Isaiah 62, 10, to go through, go through the gates and clear the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway, remove the stones and lift up a standard over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth and say to the daughter of Zion, lo, your salvation comes behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him and they will call them the holy people the redeemed of the Lord and you will be called sought out a city not forsaken father we declare that Athens Georgia is sought out a city not forsaken we thank you for 100% of Athens Lord we declare it shall be saved we declare city transformation Lord, we declare transformation in the university system, Father we declare transformation, the kingdom of heaven invades the university system. The kingdom of heaven invades our government, the kingdom of heaven invades our churches. The kingdom of heaven invades our neighborhoods, the kingdom of heaven invades our families, the kingdom of heaven invades our arts and sciences, the kingdom of heaven invades our businesses, we thank you God. Lord Kingdom of Heaven invades media and entertainment. Thank you Jesus. Lord we love you, we bless you. You're worthy of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you, Blake.
1: morning, we've got a couple of announcements. Kids Church, is happening? Take your kids to Kids Church. Not, they're welcome to stay. Travis, can you move that podium for me? We have um. we're going to have a baptism coming up soon, so if you'd like to be baptized, you can text in the word baptism, we'll be getting back in touch with you. Text us by the end of the month that you want to be baptized. We'll be setting a date soon. We have a married couples gathering Friday. It's at our house. Secrets out. So now that you know where it is, just make sure you bring a covered dish. And a Nerf gun. You don't have to bring one, but if you have one laying around, you might want it. Or maybe you know a kid that has one. So married couples gathering Friday at our house. There are more details, so um, there's an e for that. If you haven't gotten the evite, text texting couples we will get you the evite. Um You can also come talk to me afterwards or Lauren Knoxall. She's in the back with the cute baby um, with the bandana on. So um, you can talk to Lauren also. She can get you more information. Um, The text in church card is in your seat. So if you're with us for the first time, we would love for you to text in welcome. And if you've been here a while and never texted in, text in family. And on the opposite side of the card, you can see how to give through tidely. And here's the number to give through tidely. So, it looks like a familiar crowd today, so I won't go into all those details. Um, uh oh, that's not what I was supposed to do. Sam taught me how to do this. Ah, look, I was a good student, Sam. Um, <laughs> thank you. You were a great teacher. So, I just want to tell y'all I love y'all, thankful for you beautiful group of people so it's fun to get together together the same people familiar faces be the body it's really it's really important to run this race together um, and I felt like I had a word for you this morning Lee um, I felt like the Lord I he uh, the scripture was the one at the end of um 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, like, we see our reflection dimly, like, and then we will see face-to-face, like, we will see clearly as we grow. Um, I felt like in this season, you're going to begin to see yourself more like God sees you, and your history is going to make more sense. So I just bless that in you, that you will have a mind to conceive what the Lord sees when he sees you. Um, So this morning I kind of have a lot of thoughts that have uh, come to me over time and we'll see how the Lord wants to present those to y'all but community is really important to me and I love this scripture for just as the body without the spirit is dead so also as faith without works is dead so as we we're the body right we are support each other. We hold one another up. We're called to meet together, but without the spirit, there's no life in it. You know, we can hold ourselves up and be dead, and so the spirit of of us, each person, is what brings life. We represent God. It's important for us to be who we are because we represent God in a way no one else does, and so Where's my little book it's behind me? So, in Jeremiah um, 17, verses 7 through 9, um, it says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by water, that extends its roots by a stream, And will not fear when heat comes, but its leaves will be green. And it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. So this morning before the service we were praying, and I just saw a picture of our roots growing really deep this summer as a body. And when your roots grow deep, that doesn't happen on accident. You know, you got to press in to that place to to those hard places to go deep. And when you go deeper, when a tree's roots go deeper, they find new sources of water supply. And so there's new sources of life to come to each of us that will impact our body as we go deeper. Um, And how do we go deeper? So we have to trust. So in Jeremiah 17, it talks about trusting the Lord. And And then it says that when it's hot, we're going to still produce fruit. So it's like when the pressure comes. So we're called to hard things as a body, right? We want the harvest. We want 100% of Athens to be saved. We want those people to come in here, and we want to love them to life. That's a hard thing. It sounds real fun. It's dirty. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but when we first moved here there were a bunch of hungry kids that just wanted more of God and they were getting it they were getting more of God more of all kinds of stuff and so we um, Travis and I started hanging out with them and um, some of those are here today some of them are not um, but Matt Knoxel was in that group and um, Toddy was there who else was there the other people a lot of them are not here today um, just hungry people, right? And so, um, so as we as we journeyed together, we experienced all kinds of things of the Lord—new things, exciting things—and they all wanted to see miracles and signs and wonders. And I remember one day thinking, "Well, if these kids want to see signs and wonders, they're going to have to get dirty." right, because you got to go where people are dirty to watch people get clean, right? So there was a little bit of judgment in my heart, Um, and because I said it just like that to myself, Um, so a couple of them asked us to go to Cornerstone, um, when Cornerstone met just up the street um, before they had their new building, this was a while back, about nine years ago, and so I went in, and I had a baby, and so I had taken her out to feed her, and I'm came back in, and I was sitting in the very back. Well, Cornerstone feeds the homeless on Sunday morning, and so across the back wall was like the whole me, my baby, and all the homeless people, you know, so, um, so I was sitting back there, and it didn't smell great, and you know, it was like, I was just, you know, judging people. And, you know, thinking, yeah, this is where these kids need to be on this back wall if they want to see miracles, right? They got to get dirty. So, there was this girl with purple hair sitting beside Travis and um, and Josiah and Lydia, or Josiah up front. And so, um, the Lord gave me a word for her, and I was like, I don't go to church here, so I can't give her a word because I don't go to church here. And so, I'm not like, I don't have permission, you know? So... Um, He he was like, well, I'm I'm giving you this word for her. And I was like, I'm sorry. I can't do it. And I was like, she'll just have to run into me if I'm going to give her the word. You know, just something flippant like that to God. Um, Don't ever say flippant things to God. Um, So I left to go get Lydia out of the nursery with Josiah. And Josiah stopped, like, right in front of me. And so I didn't run over him. I stopped. Well, someone, like, ran over me. I mean, you guess who it is, right? The girl with the purple hair. And so she had on, like, almost enough clothes to be out in public. But it was a little, enough to make you uncomfortable, right? Like, you kind of were like, could wear a shirt with that to church. It would be better. So that's kind of how she was dressed. She had purple hair. She had a guy with her. And so um, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I got a baby. I got a four-year-old. I'm going to get a three-year-old. Like, I am not even at my church. Like, I don't even have a church yet. And all right. So I turned around, and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I introduced myself, gave, like, a big disclaimer. I don't go to church here, so take this for whatever it's worth. Um, I saw you in the service, and I felt like God wanted to— talk to you about something from your past and that he wanted to tell you what he thinks about it and how he, how that is like, it's like a happy memory from your past and where he was in that memory. And she said, girl, ain't nothing good happened to me in my past. Okay. Um, you don't have anything happy? She was like, oh, one thing, Halloween like, great. Haunted houses and Halloweens, her favorite thing, haunted houses. I'm like, I just totally miss God. I'm delirious. I haven't had enough sleep. I have three toddlers. They're all in diapers. I don't know what to do. I'm like, I just need to escape. So so haunted houses, I'm like, all right. So then she, I said, just you know what? Just ask God about the haunted houses and um, see what happens have a nice day. She was like, hey, can I have your phone number? And I heard that voice in my head, you ready to get dirty? (laughs) Right, it always comes back, you know. Um, Mine came back really quick. It was like the quick boomerang, you know. I made the judgment and like hit me right in the back of the head. And so I was like, am I ready to get dirty? Am I? Am I ready to get dirty? And so she handed me her Precious Moments Bible. This woman was about 20 years old. She handed me her Precious Moments Bible and asked me to write my phone number in the front of it. And I did. And about 6 o'clock that evening, my phone rang. It was my new friend. She said, I did what you said. What'd you do? I, I asked God about haunted houses. Okay. Okay. Um, what did he say? Because <laughs> I'm like, God hates haunted houses, right? He hates Halloween. I mean, come on. He can't use that. Anyway, that's what my small brain's thinking. So, he, so I said, well, what did he say? And she said, well, when I was a little girl, my dad treated me like I was his wife. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I, I think I get it. I'm really sorry about that. And she said, but every year on Halloween, he let me bring a friend home and he'd take us to the haunted house. And when I would get scared, I would run my daddy and he'd hold me up real tight and he'd protect me from all those things jumping out. And when I asked God, he told me that he was like that daddy. You can't make that stuff up. God's like that daddy. God's like that daddy Right So did he use her history Yeah so she was working at Chelsea's And living with her boyfriend And um, we started Meeting at Waffle House Once a week She became a great friend She ended up marrying her boyfriend And getting partial custody Of a couple of her kids That she had lost And God changed her life She couldn't get a job one time because it was hard for her to kind of, this was her occupation for years. She went into working as a stripper to get away from her family. Like that's how she made a living, right? So she, um, so she couldn't get a job for a long time. And um, I asked her one day, I said, "Well, have you thought about going back? And she said, no, it would be like slapping God in the face for all he's done for me. You know, when somebody's life is wrecked by God, when, it is, when you are totally turned upside down, by the goodness of God, going back to the old way isn't an option. And some of us have lived the Christian life so long that we've forgotten what it was like before. And sometimes we're just slapping God in the face and we forget, we forget where we came from and what God's done for us. So it's one of my favorite stories because of the redemption of God. And I got to be a part of that. I was not feeling very spiritual that morning at Cornerstone. You know, it was a great service, like wonderful things happening. I was completely distracted because of, you know, very just kind of like this morning. I've got three kids. They all need me at the same time. And I'm supposed to be in the presence of God and share a word with you guys. You know, like it doesn't matter where we are. God is who he is all the time. And so he had something for this lady, and I got to watch. I got to be a part of it. And so as a body, those are the kinds of people who are going to be coming. They're going to come. What are we going to do with them? Are we ready? Are we ready to get dirty? Are we ready to be community? What are we doing for the people that he's already given us? So let's be faithful with what he's already given us. So... I felt like he said this morning it was about roots and rainbows. And as our roots grow deep, we will see the promises of God fulfilled. And so um, I'm believing for that. So, relationship is a huge thing in community, right? Our relationship with God. Who's telling you who God is? Are we ready to tell people who God is? It's important. With man, who are your people? Who's your community? It's probably a lot smaller than than this room, right? Like, you've probably got people outside of this room. But you got to know who your people are. It's really important. Who's telling you who you are? So, we're going to talk about Job for a minute. Because he had community, right? He had community. He knew who God was. So, I'm going to read a couple of, of verses here. Um, So Job 2 is where I'm starting if y'all want to look in your Bibles or you can just read up here. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him, they came each one from their own place. So it's like word got out, Job's in trouble. God's let Satan attack him. It's rough. Things are rough for him, okay? So they all get there from their lands, like some people came from Gainesville, some from Atlanta, some people flew in from Texas, you know what I mean? Some people came from Mozambique, like they were all coming because there's trouble, like Job's got trouble, all right? Those places are easier to say than these. And they made an appointment together to come to sympathize with him and comfort him. When they got there, they lifted up their eyes at a distance and they did not recognize him, like these are Job's friends and they're like it's rough. He didn't even look the same. They raised their voices and wept. They tore their robes, threw dust on their heads towards the sky, and then they sat down on the ground for 7 days and 7 nights. No one speaking a word to him. For they saw that he was in his pain was very great. They didn't talk to him. They just sat there. Like how could this happen to him? Look at him. He looks terrible. What did he do to deserve this? God isn't faithful to him, right? They're just like, instead of being like, man, you look rough. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) How you doing? Like, nobody talked to him for seven days. Just think about the awkwardness. These are people, sometimes we read the Bible and we think that they're like aliens or supernatural beings, like some of them were, like Jesus, right? But but this guy was like us, and they just didn't talk for seven days, and he looked rough. So then they start talking. It's terrible. They're telling him, like, God's forsaken you, you're... You know, I mean, even Job's wife was like, curse God. You know, it's just, that's his community. These are his people. Okay, that's what they're telling him. All right, so he finally responds, and I love the way the message says it, so I'm going to read it out of the message. Y'all can read it out of your Bible. I realize it's not exact and all that stuff, but it's a good translation. Not translation, a good paraphrase. I've had all I can take of your talk. What a bunch of miserable comforters. He's like, you're terrible at this. Is there no end to your windbag speeches? What's your problem that you go on and on like this? If you were in my shoes, I could talk just like you. I could put together a terrific harangue of re- and really let you have it. But I'd never do that. I'd console and comfort and make things better, not worse. So he's just like, you, if you were in my shoes, like, you wouldn't want to hear what you're saying. Can you, like, cut me some slack. They're, like, trying to fix this problem. Any of y'all ever done that? Just tried to fix the problem? Like, your roommate comes home, and they're, like, flipping out about all this, about their parents or whatever, and you, like, just try to fix the problem. Or maybe you call your friend and tell them about your roommate's problem. Like, that's what Job's community did, okay? And and so I I can relate. I can, like, relate to what they were doing because we do that kind of stuff in the body. And so um, it's important to remember our responsibility. And when we look at Job, I think we can wrap our brain around a little bit of what that the significance of the commu- of community in trouble there's going to be trouble we're going to have to press in right there's gonna, there's just going to be trouble and it's really important to look people in the eye and be in trouble with them i say get in the mud with people and not just look from the outside or maybe call in all, you know, call in all their friends and your friends and try to figure out how to fix it. Sometimes God's not trying to fix anything. He's just, we're just in the mud. You know, it, it's muddy sometimes. So, in the body of Christ, community needs to be life givers, warriors. We need to know each other's song. If your people don't know your song, teach it to them. Don't wait for them to learn it. Teach them your song. The reason they don't know your song is because you haven't told them. you got to be vulnerable for people to know your song. A friend is someone who knows your song and sings it back to you and you've forgotten it. We forget our song sometimes. The world tries to tell us it's not our song. It's very important to have people in your life that know your song. What's your song? What are you about? What are you called to? That changes through life right? At one point I was in the school of social work, doing social work, right? So it was like a big deal. I was a teacher one time. Like I'm a mama now. I haven't always been a mama. You know, so my song has changed over the years. It's important for your people. You got to know who your people are and you got to teach them your song. The community of the body of Christ needs to call each other higher. We have to empower each other and give each other courage. So I like this quote about going from why to what. God never loses any part of our past for his future. When we surrender ourselves to him, every mistake, sin, and detour we take in the journey of life is taken by God and becomes his gift for a future of blessing. So, all those things in our history are to become a blessing for us. He works everything for the good, right? And so, as we go, we, um, we realize that We have many weaknesses, many things that the Lord, um, maybe we didn't invite the Lord into in our journey, right? Just failures, sin. Maybe it was ignorance. Maybe we were trying to do the right thing, we just didn't. I mean, we are very human. The Bible's full of humans, right? <laughs> like real crazy stuff. That people did. So, I have a couple of examples. Let's see. Um, like Peter, he rebuked God. That was a moment, right? Um, <laughs> um, Jeremiah, he, he like got depressed, even suicidal. Thomas doubted. Moses had a temper. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Moses was a murderer. We admire these people, remember? (laughs) Sarah laughed at God. Um, You know, it's like people we admire. God takes our stuff and he works it for the good. So are we doing that for each other? Are we helping each other see our, our sin through redemption? So whatever we... Whatever is in our flesh that we submit to God becomes our weapon against the enemy. So for me, I have a couple of things in my life like that, like divorce. So every person, in my, like both of my grandparents, my parents, and many of my aunts and uncles have all been divorced, married multiple times. So it's something I have to overcome. So what's my weapon? Unity is my weapon. So my, my people, my community, remind me that unity is my weapon, that divorce is not my song. So we have to remind our people what their song is, what their weapons are to use against the enemy. Um, so another one of my, my sins are not trusting in God. So what is my weapon? Faith. I have faith to give away. Because for a long time I didn't trust God. Like I had to do Christianity on my own. That really was bad. It's ugly. Um, so faith. I get to give faith away. That's my weapon. Addiction. Addiction. People in my life, my, my whole family is full of addiction. So what's my weapon? Freedom. Addiction's not my song. Freedom is. So, so what are yours? Like another one of mine is anger and rage. What's my weapon? Peace and rest. So what are some of the things that, that you might sing over yourself that aren't actually your song? You know, they're sin, but they're not your song. And submitted to God, they become your weapon against the enemy. And so it's important for us to not use someone's weapon against them. So if we're not reminding people what their weapon is and helping them wield it against the enemy, then we are wielding it against themselves. And that's not what friends do. So... When we remind each other of our weapons, we defeat shame, and we're able to see what God sees and hear what God says. He says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, um, I'm going to have Travis read a couple of verses. I'm not going to have him read the whole thing, but um, one of the things I mentioned was, how do we, um, you know, who's telling us who God is? Well, Job, right, He at the end, God tells him who he is. And so I feel like sometimes we forget, and it's important for for us to do this for each other, to remind each other who God is. Because sometimes we'll get stuck, just like the, the his friends did. Like God's forsaken you. God's not faithful to you. God's forgotten about you. Maybe we don't say that exactly, but we might just agree with what someone else is saying about God. And so... If we read Job 38 and 39, you'll know exactly how to represent God. And so, um, Travis, if you'll just read maybe like the first part of 38 and then the last part of 39, just to give us a taste of what God said to Job about himself.
0: So, this is Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Oh, who enclosed the sea with doors when bursting forth it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness, darkness its swaddling band and I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and doors and I said, thus far you shall come but no further. And here shall your proud waves stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning And cause the dawn to know its place. That it might take the hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it. It is changed like clay under the seal and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the deep or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with a man? This is chapter 39. Do you make him leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrible. His paws in the valley and he rejoices in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed and he does not turn back from the sword. The quiver, quiver rattles against him, the flashing spear and javelin. With shaking in rage, he races over the ground, and he does not stand still at the voice of the trumpet. As often as the trumpet sounds, he says, Aha, and he scents the battle from afar, and the thunder of the captains and the war cry. Is it by your understanding that the hawk soars, stretching his wings towards the south? Is it at your command that the eagle mounts up and makes his nest on high? On the cliff, he dwells and lodges upon the rocky crag, and an accessible place. From there he spies out food, he eyes it, his eyes see it from afar, and his young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, there he is.
1: Amen. Well, I love that he starts it by saying, Gird up your loins, like get ready. <laughs> and I mean he's just like, I don't know. This is like my favorite scripture to remind me who God is. He's like, "Where were you when I created the earth?" I wasn't here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what about when i I made the horse to snort? Mm, not there either. <laughs> like, you know, God is faithful, he's good he's he He knows what he's doing. In revelations four verses one and two. It says after these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I saw the spirit and behold a throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne. And it goes on to bring a huge revelation to John, right? But There was a door open in heaven. And so as the body, we walk with people, right? And we're believing for things. So like maybe we're believing for like a promise that someone has. Um, I have a friend who believed that she would have twins for a long time. Like she had this word from the Lord that she was going to have twins. And she was very frustrated all six times that she was pregnant with one baby. Um, And so it's like she kept knocking on that door, right? And as her friends, it was important for us to remind her that we, you know, we prophesy in part, right? We get part of a revelation. And so Steve Fish always wanted to plant a church. It's like his dream was to plant a church. Guess what Steve Fish has not done? Plant a church. But guess who did? Us. Like he, his spiritual children planted a church. And Steve accepted that as a blessing from God, like as an answer to a promise. So we can do that or we can just get stuck at the door. So as a community, I'm, my prayer is that our focus will shift in the way we interact with people, at their door. And maybe they are at a closed door. Y'all ever had a closed door? It just wouldn't open? You like tried, you like banged, you like got your chainsaw out, you like got all your friends to kick on the door, but it just wouldn't open. Tried and tried. So, Parker Palmer says, on the spiritual journey, each time a door closed, The rest of the world opens up. What if that's true? Changes our perspective on a closed door, right? Closed door ever feel like rejection? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's opportunity. I mean, that's a different way of thinking. Like, that's taking a weapon and using it against the enemy, right? So we could take it as rejection and become stuck. Or what if the whole world opens up and all we need to do is stop pounding on the door that just closed and turn around, which puts the door behind us and welcome the largeness of life that now lies open to our souls. Like what if our closed door looks like that? We really don't just need to stand at the door. I mean, it's a nice-looking door, okay? It's nice, I get it. It's a nice-looking door, but look at what's around it, you know? Like, what if, like, the whole world is open and all we're doing is staring at that door? And so I just love that, that picture, and it's important that we, we call each other higher. So for us to think about, what open door is in front of us? And maybe we have to start with the closed door. So one way to do this is to thank God for the closed door and put it in perspective. Thank you, God, that you closed that door, because now Jessica said the whole world is open. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of her faith, and I'm going to add it to mine, and I'm going to say maybe the whole world is open, and what could you be doing? And just try it out. I mean, the girl at Cornerstone did. Just ask him a few questions and see what he might say. So if the door is closed, thank God, turn around. And ask him where the open door is. Where's the open space? Talk about these things with your community. Talk about what God is doing. Because if we get stuck at that closed door, then we can't see anything else. And it's like a, it just gets ugly. Offense, anger, you know, victim, Orphan. It just, and as the as community, we've got to help people get out of that. And so sometimes that's not fun to help people get out of it. But with your people who you trust relationship with, because you might miss it, right? You might hurt their feelings. So you got to be in a place where you can say you're sorry. You can forgive one another. But it's, it's important to be honest with each other. Um, since Clint put this out on social media, I'm going to share it with y'all. Um, he shared something on Facebook this week about asking his friends to be honest with him. Like they could have saved him some time and some, some hard time. Because he talked to some people about some revelation he had gotten about his business some people pretty close to him and they were like, "Yeah, I'm glad you figured that out because I've been seeing that a long time." He's like, "What?" <laughs> now, if you if you know Clint, you know that he's not afraid of hard conversations. Now, not everyone knows him, right? That, because that's just not realistic, but but Clint's not afraid of a hard conversation. So he's not easily offended. Some of us are, and that's and that's okay too, but he's just not. And so um, he just opened himself up. Like, if you got things that you see in me that you think could better me, like, let me have it because I want to I wanna know um, what I could be doing better. And so that's just like you need to teach someone your song. Open yourself up. It's risky. You might get your feelings hurt, but open yourself up. Hey, tell me what you see. Like, do you see me knocking on the same closed door? Because if you do, I need to see the open world around it because I'm tired of knocking on this door. But your friends might be scared of you. Now, even though Clint is, he's not, he's like very open and his close friends still were not telling him these things, right? So they have to be told, just think about it from your perspective. Like you almost think it's their responsibility. Well, yeah, but they're like afraid. They're afraid of losing your friendship. So the body of Christ is is there to do these things, but as the recipient, we need to make room. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to share is... Um, It's about us taking a stand. So I'm going to read out of 1 Peter. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, to mutual affection love. What if we lived like that? For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like you want to know God? There it is. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sin. So remember those weapons? we forget that we've been cleansed, if we forget what happened on the cross, then we keep living like they're our identity. So, it's important to add, to make every effort to add to our faith. So, God will do for you what only he can do, but he will let you do what you can do. So, He, you can't Keep yourself from hell. Like, we all deserve that. But Jesus made a way for us to go to heaven. Okay? God took care of that. But adding to your faith, goodness, that's up to us. Like, we got to make every effort. So some people say this is striving. Well, I think there's a a tension there. Like, we got to make some choices. So this morning... I had something happen. So I have these cute shoes. I'll show you all my shoes. See these cute shoes? I have three pairs of them. One pair white, one pair blue, one pair black. I had on the white ones. I was like, you know, they just don't look great. Zuri is my fashion person at my house. Zuri, what do you think about my shoes? Um, I think you need to wear the blue ones, Mom. Okay. I get my shoes, and they look like this. Problem. They have no lace in them. One had a lace, but this one, no lace. I'm like, Travis is gone, getting the kids ready. He's here, like, doing stuff for church. I'm like, I really want to wear the blue shoes. Is this a big deal? It's not a big deal. I could wear the white ones. It's not a big deal. I look through my gym bag. I look through the closet. I look through the laundry. No lace. I'm like, I got to go over my sermon again. God, I really want to wear those shoes. Lost and found angels, will you please find my shoelace? <laughs> this is a real story. Happened this morning. Sat down on my bed. I'm like, is that it? No, that's not it. Oh, I really want to wear these shoes. So I'm still barefoot. God, where's my shoelace? Lost and found angels, will you please find my shoelace? So then I go on about my morning, and I'm like just walking through the house. Now, I'm pretty busy, so normally I'm just doing everything that has to be done. So in the moment, I was like, I wonder if my shoelace is in the, we have one of those robot vacuum cleaners. I wonder if it's in the vacuum cleaner. So I have this thought weird because I've got three kids that like need me all morning long and I'm trying to get ready and preach. It's just crazy. So I pick up Ruby, the vacuum cleaner. She had eaten my shoelace. Okay. Point. If I would not have looked in the vacuum cleaner, would I have found the shoelace? No. Did the lost and found angels help me? Yes. Okay, so did I find the shoelace or did the angels find the shoelace? Both, and perfect, yes, we both did. <laughs> we co-labored. <laughs> so sometimes we get stuck thinking, though, God's got to do this for me. There's some things He's not going to do for you, like get your shoelace out of the vacuum cleaner, <laughs> but He told me where it was. And it sounds silly, but it is no more silly than the things we do in life where we're like, God, help me. But then we just don't do anything. God, show me where to go, but we don't go anywhere. We don't try anything. I want to get a word for somebody, but we don't talk to people. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) silly. (laughs) So anyway, just this might help us get a preface for what next time you ask God to help you with something. Like, you might have to look in the vacuum cleaner. But when he gives you the thought, don't dismiss it. So, just go with it. And it might not have been in the vacuum cleaner, but it was. It was there. I'm really glad I got to wear the blue shoes. We were all happy. What are you standing for? What are you digging your heels in about? Can that man move that horse? Can he? You sure? He weighs about 1,000 pounds. He can't move that horse. Now, there's lots of horsemen out there, like, that can do stuff, right? Like, they are magic with horses. My dad's one of them. Now, my dad would say, yeah, he can move him, but he can't move him like that, just like Chuck said. The truth is, no matter how smart you are or how great you are with horses, you can't make them do anything. Not a man. You just can't. They weigh over a thousand pounds. Now, those little miniature horses, you could probably pick them up. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. They're cute, though. (laughs) This guy, you can't move him. He chooses eventually to move or not to move. So there's got to be something as a, just like I said at the beginning, you, you are a representation of God. What are you standing for? What are you digging your heels in about? What are you like, world, you are not moving me. And if I want to move, it's because I decided to. Like, do you have friends that you're digging your heels in for them about stuff? Like, are you fighting for something for them? I just love this picture of the horse because I just feel like sometimes, I mean, we're we're often saying, like, let's go, let's go. But sometimes we just need to, like, resist what the world's doing or what maybe even our flesh is saying about ourselves. Like, nope, you're not getting the win on this one. I'm going to use my weapons and I'm going to defeat the enemy. So, I just want us to, um, I just want us to take a minute, and uh, maybe Blake can come up here. And I want us to um, just ask the Lord. Is there something, is there a door that I'm just standing in front of that I refuse to quit knocking on? Is there a sin in my life that I'm relating to as my identity rather than the weapon that you bought with the blood of Jesus? Have I let my people... Know me? Am I vulnerable? Have I welcomed them in to tell me the truth? Just ask yourselves a couple of questions. And if you get something and you're like, I, I could use some help. I need some courage. I need to, I need some freedom. I need some perspective. So if you want Someone to join you in asking God to help you. Move away from the closed door to make yourself vulnerable, to stand for something, to see your sin washed in the blood that I want you to come stand over here to the left by the soccer goal. If you have if you would like someone to help give you courage to do those things. Cuz we are the body we are here to love each other, to build each other up. All right, now if this is something that you have seen some breakthrough in in your life, I want you to go pray with these people. So this isn't like a prayer ministry team thing. if you've made yourself vulnerable, if you've used your sin as a weapon against the enemy, if you've seen the open door with the closed door behind you, grab one of these people and pray for them. You changed your mind and you decided maybe I do want some prayer, then go on over. Then, if you see someone you'd like to give courage to, then go give them some courage. We're the body. We have to build one another up, and without the Spirit, we're dead. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to come. Come into our body. Empower us to be who you've called us to be. Where your mercies are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Mm -hmm. Thank you, God.